1: The heatwave is over, but the party never stops. It's the IGN UK podcast. I'm Simon.
0: Hello, Joe. Hello, I'm Party Joe. I've got a yellow shirt and shorts on, and I'm ready. Oh, actually, and little bit of co- empty bottle of Corona <laughs> I've got on my desk as well. You've got an empty bottle of Corona at 11am. Well, I didn't drink it today. I just, I'm, me- I'm messy. I've also got okay. an empty packet of Doritos. So it's all, it's all good over here, baby. Wow. It's the That's memories right. of the party long gone.
1: Stunning stuff. Matt, have you got any empty produce?
2: Uh, no, no, I've got got a sock here. If that, is useful. <laughs> that is empty. It is. it is empty. Eat the sock. Eat the eat sock. The sock.
1: <laughs> You've got roughly an hour to eat the sock, Matt, or you will not be appearing on this podcast again.
2: <laughs> oh, well, farewell,
0: everyone. I watched, I watched the second half of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets yesterday, because that's the kind of fun guy I am. Um, you forget at the end of that film... And this is obviously a fairly major tangent, but you know the bit where Dobby gets accidentally given a sock because mm. Lucius Malfoy has it hit? Well, it's hidden in a diary that Lucius Malfoy yeah. has. In the film, and I don't know if it's the same in the book, Lucius Malfoy turns around and starts doing the death spell. Yeah, yeah I don't think that's for- in
2: the book at all, but I remember this because I was shocked as a child.
0: <laughs> shocked. He's- He's going to kill Harry Potter, stone dead in Hogwarts next to Dumbledore's office for giving his elf a sock. Know, it's... <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> anyway, sorry. There we go. Just uh, a bit of just a bit of triv for you. I lo- do you know what? I Actually, saying
2: that that all connects together because this sock is a Slitherin sock. Ah, <laughs> oh, there we oh. go.
1: And did your foot slither in in the morning?
2: Uh, They're a little bit too small because I shrunk them in the wash, so no. (laughs) It's a tight fit.
1: It's a real
0: fucking Hufflepuff to get in those bad boys nowadays. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you need a real Ravenclaw to get your hand
0: in. That Uh, didn't work. Too far, carry on. Let's
1: move on. There's
0: more.
1: (laughs) Get out the Gryffindor. Um... Do you know what? I'm very lucky to have two big news boys here with me, because there's big news this week. Well, Mm. very specifically, it was all kicking off in the space of about two hours last
0: night. Yeah, I had a minor freak out about this, because I was offline at the time and came back to a million Slack messages just saying, like, all, you know, Apple and Epic Mm -hmm. were having a big bust-up. And then uh, I just didn't... I was so freaked out that I forgot to actually check our website to see if the news was up. So I was like, who's writing this? (laughs) And then everyone was just like, it's written. Chill out. Let's. A
1: lot has <laughs> happened. I mean, we don't normally talk about business stuff on this podcast. We'll briefly talk because it's big stuff. Uh, yeah. But w- w- the starting point was, wasn't it?
0: So Fortnite. Yes. Yesterday. Where did it start? <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, Epic lowered all of its prices for real money stuff by twenty percent, and across everything but mobile. That's just a discount. But the reason for this discount is that on mobile, Apple and google or android they are uh they introduced a direct payment method so they circumvented the way you're meant to pay for stuff through their stores um and so you could still pay through their stores uh but it cost 20 percent more than if you paid epic directly and they specifically called out the fact that both of those stores have a take a 30 percent cut of all fees which is fucking enormous and is a real kick in the balls for a lot of developers Um, and then a few hours later, Apple removed Fortnite from the app store and Fortnite, knowing this was going to happen, or Epic knowing this was going to happen, sued them and put up one of the most embarrassing videos I've ever seen, which is a parody of a parody that Apple did about 1984. That was the
1: bit, like, up until that point, I was like, okay, do you know what? Fortnite and Epic have a point here, like, Mm -hmm. and... You know, the iOS store has been in the news for Microsoft reasons as well. Or just Apple have been in the news more specifically. And then that video came out, especially the hashtag free Fortnite, Ugh, To me, was just Jesus embarrassing. Christ. Trying to get some sort of groundswell movement for a multi-multi-billion dollar <laughs> like enterprise to me. It yeah. was just sad. And the way... Basically, just weaponizing. Angry children. children, yeah, yeah.
0: This is the thing. Is like, I think you can see, you can see Epic's point, but the way they are doing it feels so insidious to me. Mm. Uh, like, it's um, planned as well. Like, yeah, calculated. Uh, Luke Plunkett. Uh, it's worth pointing out the Google following that also removed. Mm-hmm. It, from its store, and they've sued Go- Epic has sued Google now as well. But um, there's a very good thing from Luke Plunk- Plunkett on Kotaku, which was just initially it was just called "Everything About This Sucks." <laughs> that was the headline. It's very good, it's, and it's a brilliant rundown, like short and to the point, but a brilliant rundown of just like how depressing it is to watch these like enormous companies have this little fight and try and you use their audience as part of like it's like it's turning customers into marketing tools now and it's just just imagine if they put this much thought
1: and like ambition into this as they did in
0: solving massive issues
1: in the world right
0: now (laughs) this is it it'd be a lot better wouldn't it (laughs) when you're when you live in a time of fucking black lives matter and a pandemic yeah to try and start this like hashtag thing, and for it to obviously work because it's the mm. biggest thing on the planet, like it's just so annoying. <laughs> like, there's, I have no good. And don't like again. Luke Plunkett makes this point, and it's one I totally agree with. the The idea here is ultimately, if it works out, potentially very good for smaller developers. Mm-hmm. But I have no real faith that that's this will result in anything really. else yeah. than Apple and Google give them a discount um, yeah. because they're the big boys and they can throw their weight around exactly I, I don't believe that epic are working to the best interests of smaller developers and i'm very happy to be proved wrong on that but i haven't
2: seen anything that no, proves to when it's that a massive corporation done something like this not for their own benefit yeah. see <laughs> so this is the like, thing like what this neatly ties into the epic game store stuff yeah. which you know, I've always brought. I don't take particularly take sides with you know massive corporations that believe Epic are worth seventeen billion. I think, yeah. arguably yeah. the most successful company in gaming. Like this is a company that has the most used engine in all of gaming, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, but I get their whole thing with like Steam because Steam were taking thirty percent, and so they were like, we're going to offer a better alternative for smaller developers in the long run, it means that if they can create a big success at that store, they get a lot of money because they still take a cut, even though it's smaller than Steam. And it's a case of, in this point, yes, the knock-on effects, as you say, could lead to thousands of indie developers that are putting iOS and Android games out having a better cut. But the, the current situation is is they're just looking for more money to fuel their $17 billion business. Yeah, it, It's, it's a- just...
0: If you're Tone listening
2: to this, deaf. don't take sides with big
0: corporations. They're not trying to help you. They'll also, take your
2: side. When Cyberpunk <laughs> suggested that you know, by the time we got to 2020, there'd be corporate wars going on. Mm. I expected it to be a lot more exciting than a fucking terrible parody. Yes, of Snow Crash advert. led me to believe that Pizza Boys would have katanas and shit, and this is fucking
0: <laughs> boring.
1: <laughs> you're right, Joe. This is boring. Should we move on to fun stuff? Yes. Please, Matthew, you've mm-hmm. been knee deep in Outriders. Gross. I mean,
2: I've definitely been at least waist deep in it. I think Ooh, been doing IGN first, very
1: deep. Yeah, that is the IGN first this month, which you've been well. You've been very much involved with mm-hmm. Matthew. Um, you played Outriders a, was it a couple of months ago now? Yeah, like for the first uh, time,
2: early on in lockdown, right? It was I think yeah. the first. When was that though? <laughs> Christ knows, twenty sixteen, something like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, and I think you were you were enjoying the combat then, but you're fairly lukewarm on it as a whole.
2: Yeah, how I do you feel of, now? Basically, at the when the last time we spoke about it, I didn't really know what Outriders was, other than it was quite a decent third-person shooter that got really cool powers. I now am better informed because I got to play about. Me and Dale went and played it a couple of weeks ago, maybe longer than that now. But we got to play lots of segments from it rather than just one, and kind of quite quickly figured out that actually this is. Basically, Mass Effect meets Diablo, which, now you're going to listen to me, so I can explain to you how that that works. That sounds like what a lot of people would want. (coughs) Mm -hmm. The thing is, is when you say Mass Effect meets Diablo to people, I think you immediately get a certain idea of what that might mean, and that's not necessarily what this game is. So... If your first thought for Diablo is isometric, it's not isometric. And if your first thought about Mass Effect is romanceable people and being able to make massive decisions that carve the universe 2 you're not going to get that either. It's a slightly more it's other aspects of those games that this takes. Uh, so from the Mass Effect thing is the game is built. I was expecting it. I didn't know if it was like an open world or if it was like how destiny does planets that you drop onto that it's mm. got lots of things around it's actually built a lot like mass effect games are and those bioware rpgs where there's kind of like a large area but it is a, a sort of linear environment but it means there are little pathways that you go off to do side quests and stuff like that okay um and then from the diablo side of stuff we're talking it's the customization i know cardi you've been playing diablo 3 haven't you recently i have you know how like those characters are massively customized like you've got tons Mm -hmm. of modifications you can do so every attack can be slightly different than it was before it's all about that side of stuff um and the game is structured a lot more like a traditional rpg than i thought it would be um like you you can go into towns you can talk to characters there's dialogue trees those people give you quests you go off into different sort of hub zones and do quests so it's not I was expecting it to be something like, I know that The Division is more structured than Destiny is in terms of an RPG, but I thought it would be that, like, there's just lots of activities that you go out and do, and some of those are bigger questy missions than others, but it's not. It's actually a big story-based RPG, and there's a start and there's an end. This, and This kind of sounds like, and they're both Square Games, this kind of sounds like what I hoped Avengers would be. <laughs> mm-hmm i think out of, <laughs> it, it, it's close it's actually it's much closer to um another game which obviously gets these sort of elements which is borderlands which obviously isn't a games as a service but is a very heavily loop based rpg that does have a start mm-hmm. a middle and an end with a story and it does kind of it even looks like those original borderlands mm. things
0: like it's got that same like Grim out world vibe type stuff that they were going for before
2: they turn it into cartoon fart joke place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you know, I've enjoyed what I've played of it. I still, I still think I admire it more as kind of like a theoretical exercise. Like I really like the combat, but I feel like I've got my fill of that. Having played it for I guess eight hours mm-hmm. now over the mm-hmm. two sessions and i think those characters are really fun like the genuinely that like there's there's a character that's not been revealed yet but the three that have i think have all got really cool powers and in this sort of hands on i got to use the modification system which meant that like you could cast abilities twice before they had to cool down and and minor things like that that will probably have a massive knock on to your playstyle like knowing mm. that you can do two quite powerful attacks at once and you build around that and i think that's really fun when I think about how it's built as an RPG and a bit Mass Effecty, what I want is those characters to be, like, endearing and mm. and to have something that I follow through. I think even though it's kind of got those base blocks, like, you've got this slightly grumpy guy that drives your big space RV around the world with you, and he takes you... So so he's essentially Joker from um, Mass Effect. Um, but he's not fun. He's not, like... <laughs> I can see where they're going because he's like this grizzled grumpy guy, and he's supposed to be fun. But what I've played with him so far, he's not endearing to me, and so I—that's
1: what, yeah, that's what I've got from a lot of it. It Seems fairly humourless.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, very much so.
1: I don't know if I don't know. They games will- I play for a long time. I need kind of a bit of lev- or a bit of fun to yeah. not fun. You know? No, I know what fun. you mean.
2: You want some yeah. levity and you want some charisma, right? And. Mm-hmm. I think Destiny's quite good at that, especially when they used to have Cade before they killed him off. Like, Cade was quite funny. Mm. Um, but in general, that world is not taken seriously. It's a big, bright world that's got tons of gold in it and, you know, these mad sort of wizards in on the moon and shit like that. Whereas Outriders is designed to... I mean, Heart of Darkness is one of their inspirations for the story. It's supposed to be about a colonization gone bad. And I... Th- I think that will work for a lot of people and I think that is what you know there are plenty of people that wanted Andromeda to be like this big kind of gritty adventure of colonizing a new world. Mm. Um it's just as I say I really like the I genuinely think they've cracked the combat and I I expected that from people can fly that that's their bag. Um I'm just less enthused about the story. I like the structure like this as I say I think theoretically I like the game, and I've enjoyed writing about it. I think I've probably had my fill, though, and I don't know if I'll go in for the actual release build.
0: Yeah, I think I, so. I, I, well. I am, like, I'm enthused by the by the constant refrain from them that it's, like, it is a an experience that has a beginning and an end. And, like, that's actually led me to want to play it more, because the more I read your stuff, the more I'm like, okay, right, this is doing a bunch of people can fly making a shooting game is a good thing. Uh, I'm into that. And also, just like Marvel's Avengers, the thing that gets me is that it feels like people are looking at Destiny's tree skill trees and going, like, let's make that more interesting. Let's just let's put a few more options and you can mix and match and, like, fuck around with it and make something that feels more your own. Like Diablo does, which is a series that I've never fully gotten into, but that's always been the appeal. Um, and, I, like, that stuff is what's leading me to go in. I Like, it's sad to me that developers like people can fly. Probably and maybe this is unfair, and I'm putting words in their mouth. But to me, it feels like they've been forced into a situation where they have to make a hybrid game because mm-hmm. you- it's not fashionable or
2: easy to make single player limited experiences anymore. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of the things that I've written as part of IGN First is kind of a making of, and mm. that's been, that was a fascinating little conversation. I say little convers- an conversation, an hour long conversation with three of their guys. Uh, and it's really admirable that they were—they used to obviously be part of Epic for for about three years. They were called Epic Games Poland, and they were mm. like, "We don't want to work on Fortnite anymore," which I get. Um, and so it they is broke. It's
0: bonkers that they made, helped make Fortnite. Like, yeah. that's going to be the big forgotten development story of mm-hmm. of this century.
2: Isn't yeah, it? It? it's mad. But so they obviously bought their way out of their deal with Epic. They went back solo, and they were thirty—you know, maybe forty people when they started that. They're now almost 200 people strong with three different studios across the world there's poland there's new york and there's i think they're in newcastle as well Mm. um and so they've got you know hundreds of people that have helped work on this game and you know as it as their idea for it, it sounded like it started as this rpg shooter they wanted to make and then as their ambitions grew for it they brought square in And that's sort of like—is the question? Did Square want it to be more than just an RPG that was a bit like a gritty Mass Effect? So they were maybe that's where the idea because it has an end game that's like this endless, the repeatable stuff that they haven't really spoken that much about yet, but we know (laughs) it's there. Like, is that the side that comes from kind of publisher demands or not? Like, I mean, exactly with you, Joe. Like, I don't want to put those words in in people can fly's mouth because I don't know what the story there is. But it would be interesting to see where kind of like publisher demands and developer ambition kind of gels together there. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Well, Outriders is out in December, I believe. Currently, they're aiming for. It's definitely. Is that right?
2: Uh, end of this year is. I just googled it and mm-hmm. it said December. Maybe it's wrong. <laughs> I mean, December's certainly a placeholder to have, yeah. and like they it's want to come on out
1: current and next generation Yeah, isn't it?
2: it's, so. it's a cross generational thing. So you know, if the suggestion that the xbox is coming out on november the 6th is Sixth. it
0: that's yeah it's it, currently it looks like either it's november 6th or the stuff like the controllers come out on number november 6th and the console comes out on november 13th i think it's the other oh because the controllers
2: are backwards compatible right yeah yeah mm-hmm.
0: um is it 13th? Yes, because that's the Friday afterwards, and that's when uh, Yakuza's meant, apparently meant to come out, and it's a mm-hmm. day one Xbox One thing. Isn't, uh, Xbox series
1: cyber- isn't that Cyberpunk as well? Cyberpunk
0: is. Oh, f- God, no, so I forget. But I mean, <laughs> Cyberpunk's not coming out on Cyberpunk's next year.
1: Cyberpunk's 19th of November. Yeah. Uh, which leaves us on actually, because we're going to talk about it a little bit. Of wow! <laughs> oh wow! That was actual an, an accidental segue. Um, we haven't talked about this game in a long time, mainly because I think everyone's just excited for it. Yeah, <laughs> and not much more needs to be said. But they had their. Is it the second Night City? Did they call it Night City Live. Night, Night City, City Wire.
0: Wire. That's it. Because wires um, are what you get for the cyber f- devices. <laughs> <laughs>
1: As well as showing us about what seemed a ridiculous amount of weapons in this game, mm. um, they also went into a bit more detail about the three different paths you can start as in this game, which I didn't realize had quite the like. It changes up basically your first few
0: hours of the game, yes, yeah, so, and seems to be everything else as well. Yeah, I think but, so. It's it's a it's essentially like when you made those initial choices in Mass Effect, where it's like, here's my history. Um, mm. Except this time, your history is the prologue of the game to some extent. Um, is that what? Did they confirm that the prologue ends in the you? You're trying to get to the
1: same point. Everyone's prologue ends at the same.
0: Point, so the I prologue think? leads you to the same place through different means. All three life paths are presented as people who are friends with Jackie Estacado, the guy who keeps popping mm. up with the ludicrous accent, and. <laughs> um, not the ludicrous accent, ludicrous choice of words. Um, yeah. And uh, I think, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, because I think you we were talked about this, but isn't it that Jackie knows three characters in the course of your game, each of whom would be you if you chose that life path?
2: I have heard that. Before, so I think yeah. like and there that's is an all- the intersection of all of this to happen. Yeah.
0: So I think there's always a nomad he knows, there's always a street kid he knows, and there's always an ex corpo that he knows. And you're just choosing one of those people.
1: I wonder if they're very similar
0: missions, but you're just doing them in different places, or they're completely different. I think they'll be sets. very different. I, th- I think they're completely different up until. Towards the end of the prologue. So okay. I know that um because Ryan and Miranda from the US office both had the first four hours hands on and that was starting that ended at the end of the prologue. Um mm-hmm. and Miranda was a nomad and Ryan was before he was a corpo. Can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, certainly they had very different experiences getting to the end of the prologue. I don't know how much it's like once you get into the city you're ending up kind of walking around the same side quests and stuff, but certainly, location-wise, there's a massive
2: difference, for sure. Because yeah. I think well, I it, we could... I, I just think that, that all of those prologues, I think, lead to the quest that was shown at E3 in, like, 2018, which mm-hmm. is the one where Jackie sends you to get the, the drone bot. Mm. I think they all yeah. kind of... Somehow, there, there's a story beat that allows all of those paths to kind of intersect at that point. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I thought we could quickly discuss what we're thinking of picking, because my, my opinion has changed a lot since I watched that. Ooh. So you've got the street kid, which yes, is someone you grew up on the streets of Night City. <laughs> well, you've ruined who you're going to pick.
0: You?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, You've got the street kid. You've kind of grown up on the streets of Night City, kind of more in the deprived areas is what they're kind of mm-hmm. saying, basically. Uh, you've got the corpo or corporate, which is you're a big tyrell corporation
0: boy
2: <laughs> basically <laughs> i am 100
0: percent going corpo really <laughs> yeah it's that's the most it's the most interesting uh, well that's interesting because i'm now me. gonna think i'm gonna go nomad i got turned off nomad so let's really let's i got turned this. on
1: nomad Ooh, mama. i was <laughs> originally gonna be corpo i think mm. because i felt like maybe i'll play this game a bit evil <laughs> but that's
0: that's it like it's I usually play Paragon in most games, or, you know, for want of a better term. Um, but for me, can we dive into this? Can I start? Yeah, let's yeah. go. For me, the corpo thing is interesting. I, look, I don't want to get too much into the the stuff that I always talk about, but corpo to me strikes me as very much it's the Green Street of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. <laughs> you're like at, well, you're in the big. You're gonna have to expand. You're on in that. the big. <laughs> it appears to be. You're, like, in the rarefied, uh, like, upper echelons F- of Night City F- society, <laughs> i.e. Elijah Wood at Harvard. Then you are thrown for a loop uh, by your superiors or other people. You're, like, you, you're basically kicked out for reasons that I don't think they've properly gone into in the in the description, no. um, i.e., like, when Elijah Wood has cocaine planted <laughs> on his person by his roommate, the dastardly lawyer um and then um and then you get kicked out, and you have to join like like a different society and fit in and work out how you fit, but you bring with you your experience as a corporate dickhead so like elijah wood bringing his experience of journalism to help the green street elite in their wow. relentless march why towards haven't you hooliganism written this feature yet? <laughs> <laughs> why i'm being corporate, and, and like why i think i'm a football <laughs> hooligan now but genuinely yeah. like that t- it, to me that arc is the most interesting bit of story of all of those like street kid is a is as far as i understand it is the most popular like cyberpunk did a big poll and mm. the majority of people are picking street kid. And like I totally get why. That's a cool way to be immersed in all that society and stuff and Matt, I'm sure you go to it.
1: Canon for me. Yes. That feels like the most.
0: But Corpo like, feels like yeah. the most like twisty and weird and slightly well, morally I'll dubious. I'll tell you
1: why. I'm thinking Nomad because I originally didn't know the outside of the city looked like that mm. and looked it looks quite nice actually it reminded me of like it reminded me of gta san andreas Mm. (laughs) a bit which is why what i love um but also um i kind of i was gonna play evil but then i was you know i'm gonna be a good guy Mm -hmm. and it reminded me i like that idea of starting outside the city and i just feel like that moment of being of crossing into the city will be a really cool moment for the game and it's kind of the luke skywalker journey of being like this kind of trash farmer mm-hmm. on the
0: outside and just coming in and saving everyone. Can I tell you why I got turned off it? Because it. I knew Nomad was an outside the city thing but when I mm. imagined it it was more like it was fucking Mad Max, Maniacville out there and you were like chased away by some evil thing. But now it's mm. like all the nomads are lovely people in family units and they have a lovely time, but unfortunately you have to leave. And I'm like, oh, shut up. I I'm want to batter someone with a big spiky car. But, you know, it could also be like big Manson
2: family vibes. You don't know what sort of family That's true. Vibes. If
0: it is dirty, evil vibe family, then I'm yeah. into it.
2: Mm-hmm. That would be, that but, would definitely be. I think we spoke about it the last time we spoke about this was the, the very Judge Dreddy sort of vibes. Mm. I've read a very good Judge Dredd comic, which involves like a family... In the like the cursed earth, and they are a bit manson culty, fucked up. But they're all weird, like like weird on the outside as well as the inside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's your classic 2000 and AD subtle,
2: <laughs> subtle
0: approach. Weird on the inside and out. Matt, tell uh, us why you're going street kid.
2: Well, it's so for me, kind of like so the cyberpunk genre is all about fuck corporations, mm. and fuck them goods. Mm so <laughs> a bit like how um that's how you live life yeah really? a bit like how when i play disco elysium and i kind of take my socialist leanings and dial them up to communism um i'll be doing the same for, for cyberpunk totally and fair. i think the street kid is the the kind of way to channel that i do wonder how much they're gonna let you like how much
0: they'll let you Roleplay in that way i think disco elysium unfortunately has led to a situation where everyone's like i can be anything in a role-playing game um or at least it has for me and i Mm. I, Mm. in terms of your choices along the way because obviously they made a big point of like if you're corpo you'll have more options to talk to that corporate lady that turns up in every single fucking gameplay trailer for this game um and that makes sense to me but am i going to be able to like go as far as if i wanted to be a proper prick am i working my way back into the corporation to be an evil bastard again mm-hmm. or am i stuck on the path of like i now hate yeah. them i have to hate them and do. that. that's what i want
1: to know like how quickly does the main objective become the same for each hmm. like or is it ultimately going to end up you are doing the same missions but then you just get an end cut scene which is either you going back to your family as nomads or sitting in a big chair
2: in a tower as a corporate man <laughs> i perceive it will be a lot more like the witcher just because obviously the witcher has lots of you know mutations that it takes mm. along the route but in general you are playing the same story i think there'll be a slight different feeling because you're not a specific person you yeah. are the rather than playing as Geralt. but i think the difference you've got here is like this is an astonishingly budgeted game mm. Yeah. it can't waste resources in the same way as that I never got on fully with The Outer Worlds but the reason why The Outer Worlds succeeds in what it does is because it's very small and compact and, and sort of very thrifty with the way it works it does have entirely different outcomes like I know my friend wrote a piece for a PC Gamer I think where he was talking about he literally played the entirety of The Outer Worlds trying to get the person that saves you at the start to be arrested by the corporations that run the universe. And, like, he built a game around that. And Mm -hmm. I know that Jesse's played it through twice, I think, and done really short, like, seven-hour runs, just doing stuff like Jesse likes to do, like murdering everybody Mm -hmm. on a space station (laughs) and stuff like that. And because the game is quite thrifty and small, it's able to adapt. That's where a lot of its budget has gone. Right. The budget in Cyberpunk has quite clearly gone on Mm -hmm. making this astonishing like, reactive world, but not reactive in the roleplay sense, I think. There'll be plenty of choices to make and stuff like that, but I can't imagine the budget will have, have to funnel players to see stuff, otherwise it's going to waste.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait for this game. Uh, there's not really... Before then, we've got Avengers. There'll obviously be new consoles around that time, but it's kind of a couple of months where it's just kind of
0: that. I'm looking. There's Watch
2: Dogs. Which, there is Watch Dogs. yeah weirdly, kind of like half the time I think I'm more excited for Watch Dogs and Cyberpunk, but I've, then...
0: I've definitely wavered between those two. I'm glad yeah. there's a little bit of distance between them now. So there's a two dig or in. three week gap, isn't there? So that should be enough to
1: finish Watch Dogs. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, but yeah, for now we're just playing very old games. Apart from a lot of Fall Guys, which, still playing a lot of Fall Guys, still very fun. I played the new final last night for oh, the first you? time. Came second, agonising. It can go on forever. So if you don't know what that is, it's the um jump club one where you're on a big like ring and there's two poles going spinning around. You have to jump over, and there's two bigger ones in the air that you can whack your head into, and it just gets quicker and quicker. But what I didn't realise was that the different sections of the floor start to disappear, so you're only left with one little section of it by the end. And this sounds that's good. where it becomes very tough. It's very good. It can go on forever. And I agonizingly lost it. And I was furious. Uh, but I'm still loving that game. I need more costumes. And I need more crowns. Uh, but yeah. And that in Warzone. But also, in preparation for the control DLC that's out in what, two weeks now, I think. Yeah. I've been playing Alan Wake for the first time. Because A, I should have played this game already. And. B. I really want to play that DLC, so I need to know what happened in Alan Wake. Yeah, uh, I'm now five episodes in, so that's I've got one episode left of the main game. But I've been told, Matt, that I also need to play the two DLC. Bits yeah, there's
2: there's two extra episodes where uh, basically the entirety of Alan Wake base game ends on a cliffhanger, mm. and it's of that era where DLC was massively important to keep. it... I mean, mm. DLC sort of still is massively important to keeping big budget games afloat, but if you remember the times of like you know having to sign up to codes to play anything online and stuff like that it's out of that era so i think there was probably a thought of let's make sure that people do buy the dlc to finish the game
1: well, mm-hmm. do you know what's annoying because alan waker's on game pass that's what i'm playing off those two dlc chapters not included <laughs> pay 10 pounds well, of course that's the, that's
0: how they deal with it <laughs> that's that's <laughs> so, most uh... of game Pass's model <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm still weighing up. Do I pay the £10 month, or do I just at that point watch the YouTube walk through and get the story in me? Because so, I'm not going to lie, I'm very much into the story, the characters, the setting. At this point, I'm a little bored of the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, is just, it hasn't really developed at all
0: <laughs> from what they give you at the start. So I've, I've got a slightly bigger uh, torch. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've also started Alan Wake. I'm far, far... like I think I'm still episode one-ish... Maybe I just finished episode one. Um, But because that's one of those weird games where I don't know if you had the same thing with siblings when you're growing up. But like my brother was I I think what happened was my brother was playing it and I just sort of wandered in and played some when he was a bit bored and then wandered Mm. out again. And that was kind of my entire experience of Alan Wake. So I, I definitely have a feeling of like what's going on and what's shooting and stuff but like my knowledge of the story is so lacking that I wanted to go back before AWE. Mm-hmm. Have you watched the 15 minutes of the Control DLC yet? I'm going to do that. I haven't done I it I haven't because I wanted to finish Alan Wake just in case it spoiled Alan mm, Wake. That's a good point. <laughs> uh I probably will anyway. I don't
1: yeah. But yeah, I think I'm I'm enjoying it. It's a really good story and Remedy are very good at what they do, surprisingly.
0: Yeah. Uh I am but, surprised by how uh, sort of purposely strange it is like it mm. feels more comedic than I expected it to yeah I don't know if
1: some of the dialogue is meant like some of it is meant to be funny obviously you've got his uh, agent who's kind of a comedy yeah. character but yeah some of Alan Wake's dialogue the way he delivers it is quite I don't know if it's unintentionally funny or well, when you see, it seems that way
0: when you see Matthew Peretta in playing who, what's the name of the scientist in Control? Because oh, it's that guy, Dar- isn't it? Darling, is it? Darling, Dar- Dar- yeah. Um, right, yeah. Casper, darling, um, mm-hmm. Casper, darling. Would you be a deer and solve his incursion? <laughs> um, but they, he's quite good at that, like teetering between silly and serious. So I wonder if that mm-hmm. is a part of the the idea. Because he's surely I not just, changed that much as an actor in that amount of time. Is he delivers it so straight that there's
1: lines like I think one episode opens with him just saying. I forgot. I'd lost count of how many
2: cliffs I'd fallen off at this point. <laughs> I, so, like, I, I, like, I think <laughs> I think all of this is intentional because have you yeah. you've, have you played Max the Max Payne series? Yeah. Yeah. Like that is obviously designed to be a very hammy noir storytelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, like, quite clearly a lot of the influence for Alan Wake comes from Twin Peaks, which is it leans into mm. the melodrama of soap while putting the supernatural elements under it. Yeah. So I, I get the impression it knows what it's doing. Yeah,
1: and it does share a lot. Obviously, they're in, now confirmed to be in the same universe, but it does share a lot of controls, like control with like the voices and the like. You can see, I don't know how long ago they decided to patch these together, but it feels like it's been.
0: Well, they they do you
1: think they were making control, and they thought let's make it the same. Or do you think even back then they're
0: thinking we could link? Stuff well, they, together? No, I don't think so. But I think they've referenced... they certainly in control. They referenced Alan Wake earlier than yeah. they announced that DLC. So I think they probably went in and went, oh, this just fits. Like this is a good little, like mm-hmm. a good little cut together idea. But it doesn't strike me. There's this wild thing going around. I don't know if you've seen it, where someone thinks that they've spotted the oldest house in a scene in Alan Wake. And like,
1: I did this, like, you can walk around, there's one bit where you can walk around, Alan makes New York apartment, and he has a picture of the New York landscape, and there's a big building, but it doesn't look...
0: Well, so they think, there's a scene where you're in that apartment, and there's a snowstorm outside, and they think that you can see the lines of the building that the oldest house in real life is based on. Um, Okay. And, like i looked at it for a while and i was just like i don't think that that because the guy to be remarkable foresight the guy <laughs> who first reported i think said like a, an easter egg 10 years in the making and i was like i don't think this is i think this is like a reflection yeah. that you've decided is Thanks. this um i'm looking forward to that dlc but i do love like what much. that what that says about their work on it like the fact that it's redolent enough that people are like looking for those clues and stuff i think they've done a really good job of building this thing and this idea that they're now building more games in that connected universe is really exciting to me because they're Mm. fucking wicked I love Remedy
1: they are very good Um, Matt you've been (laughs) a bit of of a left field one here Uh, why are you playing this game
2: I'm playing Assassin's Creed Unity.
0: Because it's got the
2: best velvet physics in the world. It does have the best, best velvet physics. Excellent jackets. But yeah. the reason why I'm playing it is because Ghosts of Tsushima is bad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I'm, I'm aware that this is is not the general consensus, but I've, I've tried so hard with Tsushima. Like, I really, really tried. I did all of Act 1, like all of it. Mm. I, I rinsed it through. And then I know that card you said sort of like... Because I wasn't feeling it then. You were just like, just go and do the main quests. I was doing a mythic quest. Like I like those. They're yeah, all right. I just... I <laughs> yeah. Like, it was the one where you have to follow plumes of smoke. Oh, that one and, is shite. Oh, to be I fair, said, that, that is warm. absolute That one's, that one's <laughs> not good. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah. It, it, anyway, it broke, one, it broke me. It broke me. It was just like, this. all of this game is doing nothing for mm. me. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'll i so i have like a running theory that sucker Punch is sort of was targeting this at a bunch of assassin's creed players that are upset with the rpg side mm. that they've now taken up so i was like you know what i'll go back and play an assassin's creed from the period that it feels like Sushima is appealing to and i was like well the only assassin's creed i've not ever finished is unity because when it came out it was obviously quite a mess mm. Um, so I didn't get all that far into it. So, and I've been playing it, and with the benefit of a lot of patches and being able to play it on a console that's a little bit more powerful than the one I had at the time, it's very good. Yes. I like it a lot. Thank you. I've always been I a Unity it. apologist. I've never <laughs> understood the hate for that
0: game.
1: I finished Unity. I liked it. That, I think that, was, that might have even been the last one I did finish. Mm-hmm. It's got
0: some really punishing combat in quite a satisfying way. Never puts yeah. you in giant weird fights like the new RPGs do. It's often very controlled, and it's a lot about like parries and and actually kind of using that system properly. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's astoundingly pretty even now, despite being that yeah. old. Um, the interesting thing is, like, I still have this theory, and I've never had it properly put together. But it was an Xbox marketed game. It was mm-hmm. very connected to Xbox One. And I did the review event where we had to go to fucking Paris and sit in a room for three days. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was all played on Xbox One, and no one in that place ran into any major bug beyond, like, a normal kind of crash for a pre-release mm-hmm. game. Mm. Um, and then when it came out, obviously PS4 was much bigger, and it just felt like the PS4 version was fucked, but because no one cared about Xbox One, particularly at that time... I think mm-hmm. it just got ignored that that was a proper bayonetta situation where mm-hmm. one version of that game was absolutely busted, um, and I think that really did for its reputation. Partic- and obviously, ah. annualized stuff was always an issue. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But Unity's great; like they're so. I- and also, he drops off a lot. But that character, at least in the intro and like the first stages of the game, where he's a bit roguish and not kind of yeah. embroiled in it.
2: Is a very fun. I, unfortunately, I can't remember his name, which says a lot. Arno, oh, Arno, oh, yeah, I oh, know. And th- this is the thing: is like, so the one of the reasons why I just can't get on with Sushima is I think it's it's a charisma vacuum. Mm. No one is fun in that game. I
1: will, I will say that, yeah, you've stopped to the point where it gets interesting. I feel like the latter half of chapter act but it's two not and that act read, much the story better. stuff. I feel like it at least does more interesting story stuff. It doesn't take the obvious route, whereas the whole of that one is. By the book
2: yeah i think the thing that i've got is going as you say joe like unity looks like it could have reasonably have been released this year mm. from a slightly smaller tier developer like the faces aren't yeah all that great anymore but paris itself absolutely astonishing i think one of the things that i don't get on with in tsushima is it's an awful lot of field mm. like beautiful <laughs> fields but I, like I played you a like sp- to clamber, don't you? I You're do, Orlando, yeah, because uh, one of the other things that I've had a, just a little dabble with recently is I've played a bit of um, Horizon Zero Dawn on PC mm. and immediately I got stuff in the environment to do stuff with, and Aloy's climbing is a little bit more easier to do than, than Jin's is in, yeah. mm-hmm. in Tsushima, and then going to Unity where everything can be climbed. And I must say, I don't think the... because that had the rejigged parkour mm. system... I don't think it's quite as good as it's fans like to say. It's very, very sticky and sometimes I stick to stuff and I'm just like, oh no, fucking jump out of the way. Well, that was the oh, one no. where they properly had the like <gasps> button to go up, button to go yeah. down stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, the one thing that I think it's really accomplished that, which they don't, they haven't seemed to have done at all since, is it's got Hitman style assassination missions. In the, like, you, like the for, They yeah. are for Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the thing that I really like about it is that, like, the f- I use the first one as an example. It's done in Notre Dame, and you have two different opportunities, or you can just go in and mm. kill the guy. So one of them is that you there's a guy that he's going to meet in a confessional booth. Oh, yeah, I remember and you, that one. you find him... You listen to where he's going to meet him you find out that it's going to be in the confessional booth so you stab him so that he won't go to the booth then you get there before he does and then you get a nice cinematic moment where arno's hand like bursts through the the wall and stabs this guy through the neck or one of the other things is is that you can find the the gatekeeper for notre dame and you steal the keys from him and that lets you get in from a different way Mm -hmm. and that's kind of a bit like hitman's opportunities system before opportunities was a thing in hitman obviously hitman does it way 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 better but um it's one of the things that when i was doing a lot of research for our the one that me and cardi did where we were looking at the evolution of assassin's creed um there are a lot of people now that think that the rpg games don't do the assassination fantasy very well i heartily disagree because i think the the way that Cassandra works her way through Greece taking out all of the individual targets, I think he's very assassinate. I, th- I think Cult of Cosmos is still one of the best things they've ever done yeah. with that series. Mm-hmm. And you know, Origins has a similar thing. It's not as widespread, but you have the tree that leads, you know, through the snake and the hippo and all of those codenamed assassination targets. But they don't when the missions are done, they are a little bit more cinematic led. Whereas Unity is like, here's a place, there's someone in it there's a couple of different ways you could do it or you can go and just stab them Mm. go and do it that way and i would very much like to see that come back i don't think from what i've played of valhalla that valhalla is going to be the game that does that Mm. but this is a series that reinvents itself every sort of four entries or so so Mm. let's see what it does in another game's time and seriously to go back to the first point go look at the
0: jackets I know. Yes. I know. I've talked a lot about jackets before, and <laughs> when Yager's you mentioned jacket. it, more than one person pointed at me about that. <laughs> um, but they expected me to come back and be like, "No, nah, Yegor's jacket's way better." That was the first time I ever noticed a jacket. Assassin's Creed Unity. The velvet oh, should- in that game. I was choosing shit armor because it looked yeah. really good.
2: Like it's yeah. Like the leather is fine, but anything that's made out of like proper finery, tailored material is. good gorgeous beautiful like, stuff absolutely beautiful
1: we should start doing feet like our the IJNUK uk anthology f- tailoring features you've got <laughs> yeah God's jacket matt can do his velvet in mm-hmm. sas creed i'll think of one you'll uh, get that <laughs> one day you'll love a jacket as much as we do <laughs> do you know what ones um really um catch my eye is the um when i saw and no one's still no one's seen it which is mad the footage of the new lego star wars that i saw at e3 oh, yeah. last year the fabric on, like the Jedi cloaks, mm. looks exactly like <laughs> the, the Lego like fabric. fabric. Yeah, that's oh, cool. that's
2: very cool. <laughs> I like that. And yeah, I you know could that. do a piece on Tracer's jacket. You're into Overwatch,
1: but it's not like yeah, in game. It's not in beautiful, game it's though, just... is it? In terms yeah, it of animation, to
0: really flow. Um, mm, what was I going to say? Uh you know, yeah, classic jacket. Uh, the
2: original Aidan Pierce Watchdogs jacket that never really mm. came to be. That was a beautiful jacket. Yeah. Tell you what, does mm. have good jackets? Half Life Alex, because that's got proper cloth physics. They've
0: got all sorts um, of oh. physics in that.
2: Did you see the dude who added wine?
0: Yes. <laughs> he added proper <laughs> wine to it as a just, as a weekend I, hobby.
2: <laughs> yeah, that game is not going to get any Game of the Year awards because no fuck has played it other than like me and Stapleton. <laughs> but like, what a game! Like the amount of stuff that's going on in Half Life Alex because that company has billions of dollars mm. just to blow on projects that take them a million years to make. But good God, that's a good-looking game. One day I'll play Lovely. it. Hmm. Do you
0: know
1: what we we'll are playing now, then? What? An Endless Search game.
2: Okay. Inside. It's a UK AGN crew. Shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. got the games gonna play for you. Inside.
0: I've got question for you. Hold at the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. got the games gonna play for you. Inside. I've got question for you. Is it in the search?
1: I've repositioned myself on my beanbag, and I'm ready for a quiz, Matt.
2: Okay. Quiz me. Here we go. It's another thrilling episode of PG Tips. Yeah! If, uh, if anybody doesn't know how we play PG Tips, um, we, we generally do it with films, but today we're doing it with video games, and I have four different games here, and there are five clues per game. The clues are actually parental advice given by the fans of IMDb. (laughs) Imagine being a fan of IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) So I generally choose slightly mad ones. Um, So let's start. Game number one. So basically, if you get it on the first clue, you get five points because they're tricky. They get gradually easier. You'll only get one point if you get it on the the last clue. Understood. First game, first clue bit of advice. If this was a movie, it would be rated R for strong bloody violence, moderate language, and disturbing images. See strong bloody violence, but moderate language is interesting. hmm that's an mm. odd mix. also, the one thing I have found is this guy is on every single game there is <laughs> oh, always wow. there is always one piece in there which is about if this if this game was a movie, it would be rated. <laughs> Uh, uh Resident Evil Four. No, I'm gonna say. Oh, I'm gonna say Hitman. No, no. I don't no. think he swears very much in Hitman. He he's not a sweary man at all. He's very all right. very he doesn't sort really of speak. calm. Mm.
0: <laughs> imagine, imagine if, if Hitman. Speaks a lot more in the new one. Imagine if Hitman. Yeah. Every
2: time we garroted someone,
0: was just like you're a fucking prick <laughs> in their ear. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's when he gets spotted. He's like, shit, fucking pricks. Arsehole. I'll buy That would be so <laughs> funny. He gets shot in the leg. He's ah,
1: <laughs> Anyway, I don't think we've got that one.
2: Nope. Okay. Next one. This is from the sex and nudity <laughs> section of the advice. Hell yeah. It says, a character mentions a club in one scene, although it's unclear what kind of club he's talking about. <laughs> oh. Max Payne 3. Max Payne 2? No. <laughs> Max Payne? <laughs> no. Um, club. Club. What's got uh, a club? Think of a game that might have... I mean, grand- a club. clubs
0: for excess. Grand Theft Auto 5, 4. The rest. Manhunt. <laughs> That's no. not got moderate language, I don't think. Um. Club uh,
1: oh, God, I was going to say Final Fantasy 7, but that doesn't have. Sleeping
0: dogs.
2: But... No. Right, uh, shall we move on? Yeah, I think we'd better. Yeah. I realise these ones are actually. These were quite difficult to find ones Jud- that didn't judgment? fully spoil. No. It's not a bad shout, though. These Although it, some some of the, the games are quite a- difficult a- yeah, to, to get set. ones that don't just give the game away but definitely gets yeah. easier after Th- this one's tricky but then the na- next two are very easy. Also
0: Judgment does have strong language because I don't know if you saw my, uh, uh, yeah. my clip from it but there's a bit in the English dub where a com- guy comes out and goes, you're pretty fucked now, dumbass <laughs> and it's one of the best <laughs> bits of voice acting I've heard in years
2: the player can choose from a large variety of guns. When used against enemies, they produce very unrealistic and cartoonish blood splatters. Mm. Borderlands Three, no. Bulletstorm, any Borderlands, no.
0: Oh, guns, cartoonish. cartoonish guns. Mad World, no.
2: That's strong language. No.
1: Cartoonish.
2: Doom Eternal, mm. no. But in terms of You know how Doom is cartoony but realistically proportioned in graphics. Mm. As a clue, it is a game that it doesn't look like a cell shaded or a comic book kind of thing. Wolfenstein: New
0: Order, Wolfenstein: The Old Order,
2: Wolfenstein: The Old Blood. (laughs) But these are all getting within the right Shadow Warrior. No, that's big language.
0: Dishonored.
2: No, that's more cartoon. But like we're we're in the right like district here. Okay, go on. Um, carry on. This, this right, this one will be first to the the buzzer. I think. Four? No, the majority of the enemies are severely deformed, very violent, deranged drug addicts.
1: The last of
0: us,
2: drug addicts. No. Yeah, condemned.
0: Oh, Bioshock. Uh, there we go. Course it is club for excess. Why did I, why did I think the last of us for drug addicts? drug addicts. <laughs> I forgot that they were drug
1: addicts. Aren't mushrooms are drugs if you love risotto?
0: Mushrooms are also oh just drugs, Cardi.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I'd like a risotto. Would you?
2: We, we all would. <laughs> right. Game two. <laughs> That's good
1: generalization. We all want risotto.
2: Right. Game two. You can engage in violent conflicts whenever you want, which is cool for gamers, but horrible for parents. That's
0: <laughs> Skyrim? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <A> what? <laughs> I was thinking of That's a game outrageous. where you can just. Like whenever you want, I was kind of like, okay, GTA, or you know, one of those open world things where it's like it mm. deals with you just attacking random people. Banger!
2: There we go. Do you want me to do outrageous. the other clues, or shall we just I just move read out any fun ones? Are there any mad uh, ones in there? The there was this one which was there. There are a few books in the game that contain numerous innuendo, but do not mention anything sexual. <laughs> what?
1: Can you have a non-sexual innuendo. <laughs> What's the point?
2: Uh, <laughs> and then there was, there's there's one which is about how uh, the, when the protagonist is in his or her underwear, other characters make comments by either telling the protagonist to put on some clothes or simply stating that the protagonist is naked. Wow!
0: Ooh. Imagine that right. being your first thought in Skyrim. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, next game. So one of the main characters, but I will point out, not protagonist. Is voluptuous. Mm. However, this shouldn't be much of a concern.
0: Shouldn't be much of a concern.
2: (laughs) Borderlands? No. Saints Row 3? (laughs) No.
0: Mario 64? Bayonetta?
2: (laughs) No.
1: Link's Awakening?
0: Who's voluptuous in Link's Awakening? (laughs) I don't know, I'm just saying funny. What's that? the fucking um oh what's the bow oh yeah bow wow <laughs> chop chop the bow wow is a voluptuous because he's just a ball on a chain yeah.
2: <laughs> is he called right, chop chop that's uh sorry when in parentheses protagonist destroys end boss because i'm not going to give those away he bleeds a lot but this blood does not linger in the game world it's just an effect
1: is it arkham city no Arkham Assault. Is it any Batman? No, game? it's not any
2: Batman game.
0: Read though. that one Jesus again. Christ.
2: Pardon? Read, read the, read the clue again. When protagonist destroys end boss, he bleeds a lot, but this blood does not linger in the game world. It's just an effect. Ooh. Metal Gear Rising. No, he's not called Chop Chop. I'm an idiot. He's called
0: Bow Wow the Chain Chomp. Sorry. <laughs> um i'm imagining blood spurts like in metal gear solid 2 you know when people get stabbed in the neck and it just goes <clears throat> but it doesn't go anywhere when the vampire man happens
2: oh, did you ever do the thing where boy. you used
0: the cutscene editor in metal gear solid 2 where you could swap all the characters out it was oh, great heck. i used to swap um uh the man who says laugh and grow fat is he just called fat man right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to put Fat Man in the vampire scene, and it would just make him jump around and bite people, and it was brilliant.
2: <laughs> Is it Hitman? No, it's not Hitman. Dishonored two? No, it's not Dishonored. Dishonored? Too. No, it's not Dishonored. <laughs> carry on. Okay, one. That's no, not carry on. <laughs> no, very <it's> good. good. <laughs> <sighs> One brief sequence depicts a battlefield strewn with the bodies of enemy creatures. In the background, a few bodies appear to be impaled on spears.
0: Creatures. I mean, that's every battlefield in every game. <laughs> Is it a Halo I've not played?
2: It's not a Halo you've not played. Is it Gears of War? It's not.
0: That's a good one. What What would creatures be in? I'm going to say The Witcher 3? No. For Half-Life 2? No.
2: Oh. Witcher 2? No. Oh,
0: okay. You you went no, on The Witcher <laughs> <laughs> 3. I was like,
2: It's one of these games that, like, because I think this scene is very evocative. And, like, when you know what it is, you'll just be like, I know.
1: Creatures mm. on a battlefield.
2: Oh. Can we go yeah, on?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. You can ask a woman for something to drink, and she responds by saying, We only serve drinks here that are definitely just for grown ups. <laughs> Is, that? Is, is this Final Fantasy 7? It's not Final Fantasy 7, uh, no.
1: Is it Final Fantasy 10?
2: No, it's is not it Final Fantasy 10. 15.
1: It, you'd tell me if it was Final Fantasy at this point, wouldn't you? Probably not. <laughs> 15. It's All not. Right, 1, 2, 3, 4, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Type 0 HD. Stop. No. Oh god, Type 0 is horrible. <laughs>
1: um... Be just for grown ups <sighs> What the fuck? Is I feel this? like that's. I should know what that.
0: I hate this. Yeah. Ocarina of Time. Does that indicate
1: you're playing as someone who's underage?
0: Yeah, that's what.
1: Ah.
2: I would have thought oh, one of you would have got it by now. Oh, I come must say. on, mate. Ah. A bar, mate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is this Fallout Three or Fallout Four? It's not Waterlands Fallout
0: One through Three.
2: Oh. Do you want to go to the one pointer? Yeah. I feel
1: like we have to.
2: Okay. Contains like to frequent death. mild fantasy violence and moderate threat, including hand-to-hand combat and projectile-based weaponry. Impact is generally depicted with large, stylized, flashy effects and are quite unrealistic. Enemies generally blow up in smoke when defeated. Boss enemies are large and intimidating and may frighten or cause distress to some viewers. Some phantom like monsters may teleport and attack the player. You can also be harmed by falling from high places <laughs> or being electrocuted during an electrical storm.
0: Is it Breath of the Wild? Yes. Uh, I don't remember grown up business. I was. So I said
1: Link's and I was like, as a joke for a Zelda game. I was like, who's voluptuous in Breath of the Wild?
0: Zelda, apparently. <laughs> oh no it's the um, I, it's one of the it's the probably no 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 no. So oh, it, is the, about the, it is about it's Zelda it is about Zelda it's not about yeah, the fairy in to, the fairy
2: fountain or no. see the, the there, sheik- there was the fairy fountain was referred in one of them and I thought that was just too obvious yeah. but like I just had in my head it was more of a grown up game not the profile's not grown up you know what I mean no no it's, it's because he's a kid right and when he goes in I think that's the bar yeah. that's in one of the very earliest towns mm. that you go to um, how strange uh, anyway, there we go. Final
1: game.
2: So, what, what, what are the scores so far? Um, so, Cardi, you are on three points, and Joe is on five. For Ooh. his excellent Skyrim jump banger, right? Final game. There is a store in the city called Cuffs, with the name in bright neon. What you can't, while you can't enter or see inside, the name implies it's a fetish shop. GJ four, DMC no. five. Man no. 2. No. Resident Evil
0: 3 remake. No. Oh. Neon Cuffs.
2: Uh, true Crime. Streets. <laughs> Streets of LA. What a game.
0: Yeah, have... <laughs> is I, that Saints Row? I always say it. El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron. <laughs> <laughs> Scarface, the world is not enough. No. <laughs> It's not a It not it, The World Is yeah, Yours. The World Is Yours, not The World
1: Is Not world? Enough. <laughs> Sorry, that is, that is Bond. <laughs> Got mixed up there a bit. I'd right. play that, though. Mm. Tony Montana
0: in a Bond film. <laughs> fighting Jonathan Price. <laughs>
2: yeah. Right, next clue. Lots of intense fighting where you can break and snap many bones of the enemy. The sound effects are quite brutal, and the game will often use a slow-mo camera an angle to. Hu- Arkham Knight. No. Yes.
0: Yeah! Uh.
2: Neon Bones you, you're one You're a winner
0: That is one of the ones That I is one of the ones out. You did last time Because I got it on <laughs> Breaking Bones In that it. one as well I think Or oh, maybe well. Maybe tomorrow did Anyway Winner I'm a king
1: Congratulations
0: on your victory Thank again. you so much I am delighted
2: Good Great
0: <laughs> right. um, uh, Shall we move, uh, move on we To a bit of th- feedback
2: yeah,
1: I'll do some feedback Uh Thanks, everyone, for your foreign language film and TV suggestions. we got a few. I'm just going to read out one this week, but we may revisit in the future because there's a lot of foreign language films and, t- and TV series out there. I didn't have people knew it's that. It's incredible. Uh, but this one is from Matt Stanton, who says, Hello, IGN crew. Hello. Or IGN UK Hi. crew, even. Sorry. Uh, finally, time to write in after listening since 2011. I wanted to bring your attention to a Japanese movie called One Cut of the Dead. It's a Japanese one take horror movie and I don't quite know how to explain it without spoiling anything, so I'll give you the Googled synopsis. Things go badly for a hack director and film crew shooting a low budget zombie film in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they're attacked by real zombies. It quickly ascends into it quickly ascends its generic sounding plot to become one of the strangest and more interesting movies I've seen in the last year. Worth a go, I rented it on Prime but also think it's on Shudder. I've heard a lot about this film. I've not actually seen it. I've heard it's, it's very good. To be I don't very know if any beef, of you yeah. have seen it.
0: No, I've heard the name. Not seen no, it. No, always. I was hoping one of you had. Oh well, sorry. Into it though. I'll give it a go at some point. One cut movies always confuse me. I don't know whether I think that's wicked or a massive gimmick. Um, I, I like if it. Yeah,
1: if it has a good effect. Like for Birdman, I think it works brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for it's not a film, but for God of War. I'm more just impressed that they could do yeah. that than that. <laughs> but yeah. I know what you mean. Like don't you do it for the sake of it. <laughs> nineteen
0: seventeen
2: does it very, very well and that kind I of helps you. Seen it. Yeah. That I think the thing with nineteen seventeen is it helps you feel like you're part of their journey, like the arduous of there's something we've got to go and do now and you're following them doing it now. Um whereas trying to think of other things that I've seen that are done in one take. I tend to find, like, I quite like long take sections. Like, you know, Children and Men have got, like, at least three long take sections. I tend to like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Right. Uh, Me, Joe. I think this is from... your oh, you. I think this is from Peter van Huysen, I'm going to go with. Peter van Huysen. Sorry. <laughs> I reckon the first time was perfect. Don't worry about it. Hi, IGN UK. I've been listening to the coverage, or rather kerfuffle, around the Sony Crystal Dynamics Spider-Man deal for the Avengers game. People seem to be really upset about this whole thing, but I was wondering something. Around the same time, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout is announced as a free PlayStation Plus game, and people seem to have absolutely no no problem with this kind of deal. Here, a studio and Sony also make a deal, and over 41 million people get a free game while everyone else needs to pay. Caveats, of course, being that anyone who wants can get the exact same game by paying the 20 bucks, and Fall Guys not containing any characters loved by more than just Sony fans. But what message does this send as a game developer? Hey, we've made this awesome game and we are giving away 41 million free copies, and if you're not a PlayStation Plus subscriber, we don't like you enough and we would like you to pay. This is, of course, a bit of a crude comparison, and I understand that the exposure will most likely do a ton of good for Media Tonic, that's the developer, but why be so angry for not getting to play as one specific character who maybe only appears in a small part of the Game And be totally okay with having to pay for a game while millions of people get it for free Love the podcast, it's so much easier to imagine being inside is still cool while listening to your lovely banter Greetings from Vienna, Peter He's from the home of culture and music I know, I'd love to go to Vienna I'd love to go anywhere I I think this this is one of those things where you sort of have to uncouple your uh, knowledge of how the world works do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, to me, exclusive games are part and parcel of these of these deals. I would say it's better. No, I don't know. I would say in this case, uh, a full game not being available on another console makes more sense to me, just on a business level, than going. This character is available in one version of our many games, um, or many versions of the same game. But then, you know, I don't know. It's just, I think exclusives <sighs> are hard <coughs> to deal with because you make a point that like you are essentially locking it off and making it free to some and not to others. But mm-hmm.
1: it's never something I've personally got angry about. Even when I didn't work in games, like I just played games. Like I, it's saying I just accepted that some things were on other things, and that I'd have to pay money to get things on other things. I don't know. I've never... I've been disappointed. Like, if I was someone playing Avengers on Xbox and I love Spider-Man, I'd obviously be disappointed. I don't know how angry I'd be. I don't know. I feel like that's a different... Is
0: it, this is know. tough. <laughs> to me, to me, the real problem in comparing these two things is the sizes of the games. So, like, Marvel's Avengers mm. can... could potentially, if... aside from, like, massive overarching licensing deals which we don't know if they are a problem or not in this case um, mm-hmm. it could existentially survive with or without Spider-Man Fall Guys, especially pre-release didn't know whether it was going to be a game anyone really played on a mass scale and so by going to an exclu- presumably going exclusive with PlayStation and securing PlayStation Plus by doing so helped them know that the game would would be a going concern and they've got like eight million players out of it, so they made a correct decision insofar mm-hmm. as they their game now is a going concern and is like one of the biggest games in the world at the moment, improbably. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I imagine
1: that will come to other platforms. I don't know this. I don't. I mean, it's already on it PC. So. Yeah.
2: it's ju- yeah. it's effectively it's missing from two of the main consoles. I sort of think this is a little bit apples and oranges. Like I don't think they're quite the same situation also you you do have to pay for playstation plus to get access to this it's only for a month so it's a it's the introductionary free offer Mm -hmm. i guess um like it's all to do with business decisions so there is likeness there they are all decisions Mm -hmm. that are made to further corporations at the end of the day so there's there's definitely something there to be said but i for me an exclusive game coming out as i say is is easier to deal with than having a section of content especially no one would have fucking cared if it was moon night
0: <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
2: but it's spider-man and i know that uh, you know half of this will almost certainly be to do with the fact that there are such heavy connections with spider-man to sony mm. in their other areas so that probably helps them with leverage um but That sort of feels a little bit shadier to me than kind of small company that, you know, does a deal with Sony. Presumably, I don't quite know how PlayStation Plus works, but I assume Sony pay them the equivalent of what, let's say they think, you know, 50,000 are going to be taken. I believe it's
0: a case-by-case lump sum. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you will be a part of our thing and we will give you this amount of money right now. Plus, obviously, microtransactions. So that that to me mm-hmm. is how they uh, is how I understand it's worked out. I think, but I do think it is a case by case basis on how much that is mm-hmm. and what that means. Um,
2: and I think for a company like Mediatonic, that is important. In the same way that I don't have a huge thing against Epic's exclusive signings, because quite often they're done with developers that need mm-hmm. money, and being able to have an exclusive signing that says we will literally pay you. So that it will be like you've sold a hundred thousand units. Like I think, for Mediatonic to have that lump sum that probably helped pay off a lot of what four guys four guys took to make, I can understand why that would have been taken. I th- it's I, th- I think it's quite a complicated issue to discuss off the top of your head yeah. on the podcast. I think
0: the- <laughs> I think the interesting thing here to me is that the Spider Man thing probably five years ago wouldn't be this issue and i think it's because Mm -hmm. we're in the complicated birthing stages of an industry that appears to be becoming more open in these regards so xbox has set a huge precedent that that sony is diligently ignoring in a lot of cases um Mm -hmm. so we're getting to a point where there is a customer expectation that didn't used to be there like I don't think when. And correct, I may well be wrong about this, but I don't think when Soul Calibur did its mad exclusives where it was like Link on GameCube, Spawn on Xbox, and. At least everyone got something. But the there is, obviously, there is. Yes, of course. There's the element that yeah. everyone gets something, but I don't remember being. I don't remember it being a huge deal that, like, mm-hmm. people who wanted to play as Link but owned a PlayStation for whatever reason couldn't play there as
1: Link. have it. been similar. I can't remember. It's annoying. I can't remember what game it was, but there's definitely been games that have been like. On PlayStation, you get this exclusive mission that you yes, can get yeah. on. Uh, I know that's only a single mission as opposed to a whole character. Like, I don't think we've ever seen this. Like an online game, and a char- imagine if Overwatch on Xbox had a character you can't play on PlayStation. Mm that would be.
0: But I bet there's precedent there. or like
1: Rainbow Six just an operator that wasn't available on But this is the thing.
0: I bet there is precedent there and we just don't remember because it wasn't as big a deal. Yeah. Like I don't don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is a good thing. I think it's bad and I think it's actively going to hurt Avengers in the long run. Um and just like mm-hmm. having fucking Virgin Media exclusive skins and stuff. It's it's bonkers. <laughs> like it's a game being built by business rather than built by um like customer yeah. need. But and it will make a lot yeah, of money But I do think we're in a situation where people are suddenly now aware of these decisions And have bigger opinions on them than they used to Because they've been led yep. to believe other stuff Is now the case mm. It's interesting It's a it's a big conversation Peter, I like that you made us have that conversation Even if I don't necessarily agree with you So well done <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ledge Right I've got something from, from regular listener Joshua Pickett-Smith And uh, he says, Hi guys, I hope I like that you enjoyed the PS state of play, if not being overwhelmed by it. But one thing that I've been thinking about is that you touched on uh, that you touched on in the podcast was Hitman in VR. Personally, I'm not fussed about the violence in games after 20 plus years of desensitization, (laughs) but something about the idea of effectively garrotting a person with my own hands is another level of violence that I don't know if it sits well with me. It seems like a step above press square to kill. I can already see the misinformed mainstream media picking up on this as, as serial killer training. <laughs> I haven't got a VR kit myself, so I'm not aware of these kinds. Uh, if these kinds of VR games exist already. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on if a game can be too violent, and if so, what point is that? Does this need a whole new rating category, or is this a turning point for games a la Manhunt that eventually becomes tame in a couple of years' time? Cheers for all oh. the great work.
1: I will agree, when I first saw the Hitman trailer I was like this is a perfect game for VR, but at the same time
0: could be awful. Like, <laughs> like that did I like, did genuinely feel uncomfortable with the idea of doing that. And I think so I think Joshua raises a point of wanted to get your thoughts if a game can be too violent and if so, what point that is. Hmm. To me it's more nuanced, it's at what point is a game too violent for you? Like there was a point in the history of Mortal Kombat where the fatalities became actively gross to me rather than fun. And I know that's not shared by a lot of people, but just to me, at a certain point, I was like, I actually don't like watching these anymore. I think it's grim. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind if you don't feel that way, but it's just my that's my deal. And the Hitman thing is another moment where, like, I've played VR games that are, like, astoundingly violent, but there's something about the idea of quietly choking a man to death with a wire that really doesn't <laughs> yeah, make me feel nice. There's something totally non-fantastical
1: about it. It's just mm. walking up to a man in a real-world location, and I don't know if it's going to be, like, using the dual for for you just press square and it does the animation, yep. or with the move controllers, can you actually physically do yep. it? I don't... Like, we don't know enough about that yet. But, yeah, like, the fact you... Because a lot of the Hitman kills are very up-close mm. and personal. Like, it'll be very funny to just push a piano onto someone in but VR. that's it yeah. be fine. the
0: hitman the hitman stuff <laughs> but do you want...
1: basically slapstick comedy Or just great just poison some whiskey or something that'll be fun but yeah I do agree like going up to someone and strangling them or going up to them and just stabbing them in the back or something so... might be
2: when i first like got my oculus um one of the games that and it's like a very very popular game on steam is is blade and sorcery and it's it is literally just you have waves of enemies that come to you it's a medieval fighting game um but that was the first game that i played where like you you can literally hold someone by the throat and like gradually push a knife into their abdomen mm-hmm. and like the it's not a very well animated game by any means so it's not like you see the lights in their <laughs> eyes sort of fade or anything like that, but it is one of those time where like i like i I like violent games I like mm. doom I like blowing the sure. shit out of people and you know quite often the gorier... I get something out of gory games right, mm. but there was a moment where I was like theoretically i quite like this like having proper sword Mm. fights with people and ramming someone onto the end of a sword and then kicking them off the end or grabbing someone by their wrist and hacking their arm off there was something about that that was like this is cool but doing it made me feel incredibly uncomfortable and i have not played a lot of that game because i think that's where i've learned my my limit is I'll happily do that in a third person or first person action game where I'm a bit divorced from yeah. it. Like if Sky I've used a Skyrim mod before where the where the combat's just a little bit more violent than it is in the base game. I like the Witcher hacking heads mm. off in the Witcher, all of that is fun. Mm. Doing it myself, yeah. I don't know if kind of Hitman will be worse or better because there's less confrontation in Hitman. It's like you do you tend to do one kill in Hitman, yeah. right, if you're trying to do it properly. Mm-hmm. But it's like if it's the only kill is going to be holding down Sean Bean into a toilet bowl <laughs> as you flush mm. him down, is that going to be too much? Yeah. Well, th-
1: especially
0: as he, if you, if he does actually whisper like "shit," <laughs> into, <laughs> into ears of I don't like. <laughs> I, I don't think any of us are saying like this is outrageous and this shouldn't be oh, allowed no, no, no. I just think it's all personal I preference think this is, I think it's all about personal preference I do find the idea of a new rating category interesting I don't know how you draw that line but like realist V for visceral or like one to one kills almost like rather than button press kills doing kills yourself might mm-hmm. it like it's not even about like locking it off to people it's almost like an early warning of just like you might find this a bit weird um
2: Mm. And obviously they're not going to be... A new genre, murder simulation.
0: But, I mean, yeah.
2: It's kind of a thing already, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think, like, maybe that whole thing of, like, there is a category for this is VR, you say, one-to-one matched combat. Mm-hmm. And, or, and, you know, even if it's not necessarily a rating, just something that is more explicitly explained in the description of what a game is. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, there is... It, it It can be a bit weird. And the other thing is, is, like, some games do it for example half-life alex has no hand-to-hand combat Mm. so there's not like it's not like you've got the crowbar or anything but also everybody that you fight in half-life alex is a combine so they've got gas masks on and that helps divorce a lot of that like it is just quite fun to gun down like seven combine because whereas going up against people that don't have helmets on and especially in blade and sorcery where it's women and men Mm. as well like
0: yeah. When you talk about blade and Bit sorcery, like the stuff you're describing is essentially the same things I was doing in that uh, Oculus game, Robo Recall, which is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But they're robots, so when I tear their limbs off and like like throw their heads at someone else, and you know do all sorts of stuff that would mm-hmm. be fucking grim
2: in one of those games, yeah,
0: like it's wicked. And like it is a lot of it is about that feeling of like, uh, do I get power, do I get right? the visceral? If
2: you can tear a man's
0: limb yeah. off, like that's a power do I fantasy? get the visceral thrill of this without? the uncomfortable nature of like simulation in some way, which I think is interesting, mm-hmm. and like it's a fun liminal space to explore, and everyone will have their own point on that scale, where they're just like, nah, not for me anymore, I don't need this. Um, yeah. But yeah, mm. we had some really good, proper thoughtful emails this week. Not some that we don't always, interesting but... Interesting you know, chat. I thought that was good. Yes.
1: I hope for more, if you want to send in some thoughtful emails, send them to feedback at ign.com we await them with eager eyes and open mouths Good lord <laughs> uh, What a pleasure this has yeah. been Especially as it is now below 30 Oof. degrees so, um, oh. There's a breeze and everything and Like I said, the party didn't stop uh, What music should we have? Mm. Should we have Sign so from
0: Alan Wake? Oh, one of the license kay. tracks That will mean it will one day disappear from all storefronts forever uh, they already had that. Oh, problem they problem did, with it, didn't they? They, they didn't... got taken down. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. Do an Alan Wake track. Why not? What's your fave? Well.
2: I don't know. Do you maybe not want to do one of the? What's the the Viking band oh, in? Asgard. Okay.
1: <laughs> Something of Asgard. Warriors of
2: Asgard. Is it?
1: It might be that. Let's do an Asgard. It's the same band that do um
0: the, uh, the Ashtray
1: Makers. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll play one of those. Okay. Think. That's what we'll do. Okay.
2: Should we just go? Yeah. All right then. Sweet dreams. Bye.